We must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. That is a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to episode 121. Before we get into the details of this week's episode, I would just like to share with you that I have been selected as one of the international speakers to be on the stage speaking as part of Sean Fair's Leadership Experience Tour 2021. It's taking place on April 10th in Troy, Michigan, and it's going to be fire. You're going to have speakers from all around the world that are going to educate, inspire, and empower you. Now, even though we're in a pandemic and the speakers will be at the venue, you have an opportunity to also be able to hear the powerful speakers that will be on the stage. So please go to bit.ly forward slash L-E-T 2021 to get your virtual ticket. And again, that's for April 10th for the Leadership Experience Tour. Now on to this week's episode. The topic of this week's episode is minimalism, perseverance, and happiness. My guest this week is Baston Sibamen. Baston is a full-time web developer and part-time Asana consultant. He has developed fixes for the software to help make it more robust for the user. Bashton has a passion for minimalism and his guiding principle is to share a lot for free in order to sell more. Hi, Bashton. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thanks. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's actually quite late here. It's 10 p.m. in France. Wow. And it's... Four here, so you guys are six hours ahead. So I really appreciate you um, staying up and doing this um, interview with me. So let's just dive right in. I'm not going to waste any time. Um, you are a consultant, but you specialize in using Asana. Um, but you have a journey that you've been through to grow your business. Before we dive right into that. Why don't you tell the listeners who you are and what made you come to be the person you are today? Sure. Uh, So I'm actually uh, French. I'm married. I have two kids. I've been a web developer for almost 10 years now. And what's special is that I work from home. I've been working from home uh, for 10 years now. Uh, So I was basically ready for the current situation, (laughs) if you say and um, I've been using a tool uh, called Asana, which is a project management tool for myself for a couple of years now. And I started to really get good at that tool and uh, people started to ask for help. And um, after several years, it actually become 
like a second business for me. I have my full-time job as a web developer and I'm also a part-time consultant around that uh, specific tool, uh, which is Asana. Wow. So you've been working from home for 10 years now. So the pen, so the pandemic, um, didn't break your stride any, you were already well adjusted to that. Yeah. I guess the difference was the family was home uh, when they (laughs) were not before. (laughs) So it wasn't that quiet during the pandemic, but it's, it's fine. So how did that affect how you did your work and are, and how is it in France now? How are things going? Um, we have a curfew uh, just started a few days ago and uh, I think tomorrow the president will announce uh, the curfew will be uh, earlier and we probably have some uh, lockdown again. Okay, wow. So similar to what's going on here. Yeah, but I do, I do have that chance of having a, a big house and uh, living in the countryside and working from home. So basically doesn't change anything for me. Wow, nice. So you're a web developer, that's your full-time job. And then on the side, you decided to be a a, a Asana partner. How did that come about and and why that? How did, why did you decide or it, did you decide? Yeah, I didn't didn't actually decide. It's a good question. I, (laughs) so it's like I started to use the tool for myself um, like six or seven years ago. Um, and I think that the tool was missing one specific feature. I was, I will not go into the details, but the tool was missing a feature. So I basically built the feature using the skills I had uh, as a web developer and that service I created, uh, gained some traction, uh, get some attention from the community. And then I started to build another service around Asana and then I felt like I needed to share, so I, I wrote a book about Asana, and then I wrote a second one, and I did some videos, and then one day someone asked if they could pay me to help them, and it was the, the first time it happened, and I was uh, a bit freaked out because I um, my English wasn't good enough to actually help someone in English, so I just kept pushing away clients to other people, and uh, after a while, I think... Uh, I realized I really needed to take that risk and jump and uh, and dive right in and take my first client on. So I did my first uh, hour of consulting, which uh, went great, and uh, I never stopped. So I I have several clients per month, uh, different clients. I do some audit, I do some training, I help people understand the tool and get better at the tool, and I have the chance of being in Europe. I can work with uh, the US in the evenings. I can work with Asia in the morning and I can have my daily job uh, during the day. So it's actually uh, pretty ideal for me. Wow. So let's talk about your perseverance because, you know, in your bio, you were saying that you've been doing side projects for a long time and now you're finally feeling like you're reaping the reward of that. Exactly. What has your journey looked like? Uh, it's basically, so I'm, I'm 30 years old. So it's basically 20 years of side projects, little websites, uh, some blogging, writing books, trying to create some service or website or apps or whatever. Um, nothing, some, some of the stuff worked out, um, but there was n- never some money, as, some money aspects. 
just started a couple of years ago when I really got into consulting and selling books and selling services. And it really takes takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and um, a lot of per- perseverance to get to a point where you have a good reputation and you have a good experience and you are able to help, actually help people and get people to pay you to provide uh, some help. Uh, so I'm very happy that those years of hard work uh, finally are finally paying off uh, right now and I'm really enjoying myself uh, helping people. Mm, that's great. And and I like what you said about it takes time and you built the reputation. It takes so much time. Yes. Yeah. I've, uh, I've actually, I'm, I'm, um, Asana has an online community. And uh, so it's a forum where people ask questions and I've been answering questions for many years now and I've, I've became the biggest contributor in the forum worldwide. But it's just, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to go on the forum every day. And even if it's for five minutes, you have to post every day and help people every day. And it just takes time. And, and the same thing hap- happening on LinkedIn for me, I'm trying to post every day on LinkedIn. Uh, so my audience is growing and my reputation is growing. But it takes many months and many years of hard work to build uh, an audience and a reputation. Oh, yes, it does. I totally agree because I'm doing something similar on LinkedIn and I've been trying to do it every day and I've been having different things come up. So not quite every day, but I have seen the growth with my connections come through. And that's amazing. That was a great tip that you gave about going on to a forum, even if it's for five minutes, just go on and posting. Now, when you are doing this and you're answering questions, do you ever feel like, man, someone out there knows more than I do. And if I answer this, what if somebody comes back and say, well, that's not right or has more information? Do you ever feel like you're not experienced enough? Um, Not on the forum. Um, What I'm not sure, I'm just saying so. I'm just saying I'm not sure, but I think the answer is um, the following. But I've been, uh, I have a lot of experience around the tools. So usually I have the, the right answers. What mm-hmm. I see, however, I do have that imposter syndrome because I think it's what you, what you're talking about mm-hmm. when I'm doing some consulting work because I often have clients requesting my help uh, for a tool, a specific tool uh, within their company, uh, assigned in that case, and you end up helping them uh, with much more than this. You help them with change management and how to run meetings, how to deal with their teams. And sometimes I do have that uh, syndrome of not being at the right place and not having enough experience to help them with those other topics. Mm, yeah, I think we all we all go through that. And how do you overcome that? How do you get past that? Because you stated in the beginning you would first refer people to other people because you didn't think yeah. you spoke English well enough, but you realize you did, and you have a lot of value to add. So how do you get past that point of saying, just kind of feeling stuck and saying, okay, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to tell what I know. The first clients, I just realized I had nothing to lose. So it was, I was really afraid of that first consultation, which actually went great. And after only five minutes, I already provided very insightful tips to the, to clients. 
And I think it gets easier with the, with each client, you are able to learn from the experience of the previous client and you are able to share that experience with the client, uh, with everything you learned before and all the use cases you've seen. And uh, answering on the forum, in my case, is the same. I get to see so many use cases, so many questions. Uh, I'm not surprised anymore by any of the questions because I've seen most of the questions out there about the tool. And that really helps me have some confidence about um, whether it is answering the question or whether it is knowing that the question is out there and uh, being able to find the answer easily. Mm. Now, you created um, features that you saw were missing in the tool. Now, does Asana know this? And did they approach you and maybe say, come work for us if you're going to do that? How did that turn out for you? Um, so they, they, they know the, they know the features are missing. Uh, it's um, deliberate uh, product choice they make uh, mm-hmm. for some of the features because they they believe they don't bring enough value or they cost too much um, or whatever reason they have. And uh, they in in the software world we have something uh, something called an API, which is a way to discuss with other software. So Asana has an API allowing anyone to build other tools um, to discuss with Asana, basically. So I can discuss with your account. I can get all the data I need from your account, and I can build stuff outside of Asana using your Asana data, for example. That's the API. And with, with that system, you can build a lot of different things outside of Asana. So even if the features are missing, you are able to create those yourself outside of the tool. And um, maybe Asana believed those features would not be beneficial for most of the people. But in my case, if that helps only a handful of people, it might be enough. Right, right. And, you know, I I love what you're saying because you're a tech person, just like I'm a tech person. So I understand what you're saying, and I really can appreciate that because when you find a tool and it's missing features that you feel are very valuable and needed, it it, it does something when you know, okay, I can create this and and help someone um, do their work more efficiently and more effectively. So I totally get it. Now, yeah, and, uh, and every every business has a, a really different way of operating, and the tool cannot always uh, adapt to your business. So it might be good to have some uh, IT guy in your network to help you adapt the tools you're working with. Oh, yeah. And I am familiar with that because for over 20 years, I worked in corporate and that's what I would do. I would program. I was a computer programmer. And nice. some of these tools that we we purchase, and I won't say the company's name, but big companies that they spent hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars on, after getting them, they would find out that it didn't do everything that we needed it to do. So I would go in and and program those missing features and do things that would tailor it to our business and our customers. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Nice. Yeah. So I'm looking and you said that you have a passion for minimalism. Talk about that. Tell me about that. I realized I was using decluttering as a way of 
relaxing myself, calming myself. And I realized I couldn't work properly if my desk was not clean enough or tidy enough. And uh, I actually realized um, this kind of behavior actually had a name, uh, which was not, not the behavior, but the, the way of thinking had a name, which was minimalism. And I looked at the documentary on Netflix, which is a really good documentary. Uh, called, I think it's called Minimalism, uh, about the journey of two, two people uh, towards minimalism. And I read a couple of other books about minimalism and I just uh, really resonated with me. Uh, so after a while, I decided to go one step further to go even deeper into minimalism and uh, actually wrote a book myself trying to summarize everything I learned about minimalism. And I still practice um, personally for my clothes or my stuff on my on my desk or a lot of different topics at home. So, so you take minimalism and the I guess the the converse of that would be somebody who's a hoarder who likes to just collect things and you don't like that. You like a clean, organized space. Yeah, I guess if you really like to collect specific stuff it's fine if you really like books you can have bookshelves everywhere in your house but what i'm trying to to go against is the feeling that you can't find anything that you have too much stuff that you feel stressed or even worse that you uh, do not have enough money because you keep spending that on things you don't need i'm really mm -hmm. trying to go towards uh, for example for the clothes i'm trying to buy as little clothes as possible. I'm always trying, if I really want to have a new shirt, I'm always trying to replace um, an existing shirt with a new one. I'm also trying to buy clothes with a better quality so I don't have to replace them too often. Mm -hmm. And um, and for the things I'm, I'm using on a daily basis, I'm trying to have good stuff, good product. For example, I have a big screen in front of me, I have a good chair, a good desk because I use them every day. So I'm trying to be very conscious of the quality and the things I decide to put in my life because they really take a lot of uh, my energy and time. So they better be well chosen. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's very interesting. So besides just not having a cluttered desk, what what brought you to just know that this is something that you needed to do because oftentimes, because I'm, I'm one of these people, I guess I'm, I guess I can say I'm OCD. I, I like everything neat and orderly. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a minimalist, but I don't get things that I don't need. And I try not to accumulate unnecessary things. So I'm like you, I, if I'm going to shop for clothes or shoes, I try to make sure they're high quality so that I'm not replacing them so often but the whole minimalism thing because I've heard someone else mention that and they were like oh I have in my closet 10 things and they're like I have two shirts two pants whatever and they've gotten it down to that and that's all they have and they mix and match those 10 things for different outfits for every day mm -hmm. have you gotten to that point and and what made you just say I'm going to just cut all of this out and start start 
living, I guess, more consciously on the things that you have? I guess I went, the, the documentary and the, the book I read, the books I read, um, helped me realize that what, what I was perceiving as being OCDs were actually uh, a way of thinking. Mm. It, it was actually a good thing and not a bad thing, if you see what I mean. And I, I mm-hmm. think in your case, you are a minimalist. You okay. are not an extreme minimalist. You, you, you get some kind of, we have some kind of a spectrum um, it's not you do not become minimalist one day because you have less than uh, three shirts. You just get to that point, and they have different kinds of minimalists. Some people do not have a car. Some people want to live in a tiny house. That really a lot of different kinds of minimalists. So I guess in your case, you are a minimalist. Mm, okay, that that makes sense. It's just it's just about it. yeah, it's just about being aware of what you need and having enough of uh, everything you have enough Mm -hmm. clothes you have enough things on your desk you have enough uh, plates in your cupboard Mm -hmm. you have enough chairs for example many people have a big table in the dining room with like 12 chairs Mm-hmm. And for 99% of the time, they're just a family of four people having dinners with four <laughs> people. So basically, you have eight chairs lying around, taking space um, and yeah, taking a lot of space. So, for, for example, in my house, we actually bought a rounded table uh, able to take four chairs because most of the time we're just four people. Mm-hmm. And when we have people over, we can get chairs from someone else and we can uh, open the table and have a bigger table. But most of the time we only four people don't need eight chairs. We need four chairs. Hmm. And if you apply that to a lot of different things, you might actually be able to get some um, extra space in your home because you have smaller um, tables, less chairs, less or uh, smaller wardrobes, less stuff basically so you have more space to play and to move and to to enjoy Mm -hmm. now explain what you mean when you said when you say it makes sense to share a lot for free in order to sell more explain that yeah it's uh it's something i realized uh, when it came to consulting i guess this there's two way to go about consulting and uh, selling your knowledge the first way is to have people pay you to share your knowledge. So you do not share anything online. You only wait for people to pay you. And whenever someone asks a question online, uh, you can say, I know the answer. You need to pay me to get the answer. And I would say it's the old way. It means the old way of doing things. The new way is the opposite, is sharing as much as possible online sharing what you know, helping people free, doing videos, writing books uh, that you sell for just a couple of bucks or just you just give away. And you will realize that people still come to you and they want to pay you even though the content, the things you're going to teach them are already available for free. And it's exactly exactly what's happening for me. If you read my books, if you look at my videos, if you read my posts, if you read everything I've written, Basically, you have all the answers. So you're going to pay me just to give you 
a very tailored answer, a very specific answer to your very specific use case. So basically, you're going to buy going to buy time for me, the, the time you save, rather than the knowledge I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I I totally believe that. Um, and as you said, the old way of thinking is before I talk to you, you have to pay me. Yeah. And uh, what's what's good about this, about the, the new way is when people come to you, they already know you because they've, mm-hmm. they've seen you online, they've seen your face, they've heard you talking, they've seen videos of you, they know how you approach things and the way you work. So basically, when they come to you, they just need to know the price. You don't have to convince them that you are the best at what you do because they already saw that online. So it's a big difference. You don't have to sell yourself to each and each and every person coming to you. You just sell yourself online by sharing what you do and what you know uh, for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. And I think more people need to realize that I think with social media, there's a lot of that going on, but then there's still some people who um, I say they're, they're afraid that there's not enough, the scarcity mentality of, well, if I tell them what I know, then they may not do business with me or I'm whatever selling this or teaching that and someone else may come and do the same thing and do it better and take a customer away from me. And yeah, but I think, yeah, in my case, I'm afraid of having to sell myself to someone, convince someone I'm good at what I do. I'm afraid of doing that. So mm-hmm. I basically uh, ran away from this and decided I'm just going to share everything I know for free and let people come to me. So I don't mm-hmm. have to do don't have to do any selling. It sells mm-hmm. itself. And you know what? And that's the best thing to do because then you don't feel like that sleazy salesperson who is trying to convince, trying to convince, trying to convince, and oh, yeah. then if the person is not happy, um, then you know you you're feeling you're feeling like, oh man, you know, I didn't live up to my expectations because I recently had someone to come to me like that. Um, as far as like coaching, oh, like, come on, come on, coach. Oh, come on. I can, you know, and I was like, well, I really don't need a coach. I have a couple of coaches, but then I said, well, let me give this person a test run. And then I was like, you know what, this person is not telling me anything I don't know. So I was like, eh, no, I don't think you can help me. And this person was like, I guess offended, but my thing is, well, you did the hard sell of, come on, come on, let me coach me, let me, you know, and exactly what you're saying is like, well, your reputation would speak for itself if yeah. you really were that good of a coach. Yeah, but what's, yeah. what's hard is uh, it again takes years to reach that point, and it's not by sharing. Uh, on LinkedIn for two months that you're going to build a reputation. It takes several months or several years. And you, you really need to to do more than just writing a few posts uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, do you want to tell us about the books? Because I think you mentioned you've written a couple of books. Do you want to talk about the books? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I was always impressed by people writing books. For me, it was like a an impossible thing to do you know it's a, it's a too big too big journey too complicated and uh, requires too much time and for me it was really an unreachable goal uh, but i had i had the opportunity of writing a book 
Uh, actually, I, I took over an existing book that needed to be updated and the, the author didn't want to spend time to update the book. So I actually took over, updated the book and published it under my own name. It was my um, one of my first experience of writing a book and it was an easier one because most of the book was already there. I just had to proofread, improve and publish again. And then for the second book, I decided I wanted to write it myself uh, from start to finish. And um, I, I really I thought hard about this and I really did not want to write like a 300 page book and spend weeks or months on it. It's, uh, it's really not my type. I really I went for the minimalist uh, approach. So I said, okay, for me, a book is what I want to do is 30 chapters. Each chapter is one or two page. And I want to talk about things I already know. I don't want to do research for the book. Mm -hmm. So I really simplified the approach and I went for the minimalist approach. And I said, okay, I have 30 chapters to write. I decided that I do not want to have any images to illustrate the chapters because it takes too much time to find them. So I really want to have raw text that I write. So 30 chapters, basically you write one on Saturday morning and one on Sunday morning while having a coffee. So you have really, you type on the iPad because you know, because I decided to write about things I knew, it really flows. It's really easy to write. You just have to decide on the 30 uh, chapters titles and then it's easy to write. So you decide that every Saturday, every Sunday you're going to write actually takes 15 weeks. It can even take less if you are really motivated and you write during the week. And then you just have to get someone to proofread your work, uh, get someone to build, to actually write a, uh, to create a cover. And then you're good to go. You have your first book. It's not a huge book, but it contains what you know. And uh, you take pleasure into writing that book. And then you're really proud of the work you do. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I love that because I took a similar approach when I wrote my book. I didn't want to write a 300 page book as well. Yeah. My, my book is less than a hundred pages because I think about, I don't want to sit down and read a 300. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same for me. I, I had bad experience with some of the books that were huge. For example, I don't know if you've read GTD, get things done. No, it was horrible. And <laughs> uh, I, I, I never managed to go uh, beyond the first hundred pages. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be the Bible of productivity, but it was so long and so repetitive and uh, it was a disaster. So I really didn't want to write such a book. I really wanted my book to be read like in an hour or two. And mm -hmm. each, and, each and every sentence is well chosen and there's no fluff. You just the, the raw stuff, the useful stuff only and no fluff around the, around the, the words. Yes, I can appreciate that. I, like I said, I did the same thing because I just wanted it to be simple. Same as you, someone can sit down and read it in a couple of hours. They get what they need to get and it's easy. It's an easy read. It's something that's relatable. When you start doing these three, 500 page books, like you said, it starts getting repetitive because you think, well, how much can this person say in this book unless they've been writing this book for years? So I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm really afraid of the situation where you spent 
a month on something and you release and it doesn't work and nobody there to read the book. I'm really afraid of that. So I'm trying to not have that situation. So I'm trying to spend as little time as possible on something, um, but enough to provide quality work. Mm-hmm. And I also, whenever I can, I'm trying to ask my audience beforehand if that makes sense. For example, before writing a book, I would say, okay, guys, I would like to write a book about that topic. Do you think it's useful? And if I have uh, answers of people saying, yeah, it's useful, then I might even do some um, pre-booking. So people would pay for the book before it's even written. And then you get the motivation to actually write the book, sit down and write the book. And if you just write without knowing if people will really read the book, I think for me, it's really hard to do. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Wow, Bestin. This conversation has been amazing. We're going to um, segue into our questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Who or what motivates you? Um, helping people, whether it's uh, with consulting or building tools that people use. I like to do things people use. Okay. What demotivates you? Um, it's actually quite hard to demotivate me. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess people with bad behavior, uh, people trying to get something out of you, um, manipulating you, this kind of stuff. Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? I have no idea. I'm sorry. I didn't prepare an answer for this one. (laughs) Do you have an example for yourself? (laughs) No, this is about you, not about me. (laughs) (laughs) Which would help me find an answer. We'll skip that one. What is your fear? Um, I think it relates to the first answer, creating stuff people don't care about. Okay. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Um, I guess in the past, I, I've i created a lot of stuff and spent too much time on the creation rather than talking to users or clients or, or whatever. So too much work, not enough getting out there and uh, talking to people. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? I don't think so. Okay. What is your definition of success? I guess being happy with your situation is a success. Everyone has a different definition. So if you're happy with your current situation, then it's a success. Hmm. How do you recharge? I clean my desk (laughs) (laughs) and I clean my house. (laughs) What are you awesome at? Cleaning stuff, organizing, (laughs) prioritizing. (laughs) Is that sad? Being a minimalist. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What legacy do you want to leave? 
Um, I'd like to be remembered as someone uh, people enjoyed spending time with. Okay. Give our listeners one motivational takeaway. I don't remember the exact quote, but I think it was the best time to start. The, f- the first best time to start was yesterday. The second best time is now. Hmm. I like that. Does, does it go like this? Is that the official one? I, I don't know, but however you said it, that was good. I like it. Okay. So whatever you do, you need to start now, whether it's building something or learning or whatever. Now is the best time to start. Yes, I like that. Bastian, tell the listeners how they can connect with you if they want to do business with you, pick up your books, or just contact you on social media. Uh, They can find me on LinkedIn uh, with my name, and they can also go to my website, minimalist-work.com. Okay. Well, thank you for taking time out of your evening to be (laughs) with me. Uh, It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. Same. Have a great day. Thanks. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their lives? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.